1: welcome to the terrible podcast season 13 episode 153 he's dave brian i'm alex kazora steelers Depot.com. thanks for being back with us here this tuesday steelers nation dave how you doing
0: uh, i am doing okay for what is what technically the slowest sports uh weekend sports
1: uh oh really uh, this particular week
0: yeah yeah because you got you know, and i and i think actually the slowest Day in sports every year is the day after the all star game, right? Tomorrow. Uh, uh, which would be tomorrow because you got the all star game today, and then tomorrow there's off, and then it really there's nothing happening. I think, even yeah, uh, does Wimbledon, I don't think, I think Wimbledon is one thing you got going on. <laughs> uh, we're uh, now a tennis uh, site, Dave, right? Right, and it, well, I mean, it, and, and I think, uh, Is it the ESPYs this week or something as well, too? And don't they do that on Wednesday or Thursday or something like that? So it is the slowest
1: day of the year. I don't know anyone who watches the ESPYs. Uh,
0: But uh, here we are right in the middle of it. Got a couple more weeks until uh, uh, training camp gets underway here and. You know, not much happening in the news cycle overall. Some of these lists are starting to start pop up on, on, on. Obviously, the uh, the major media sites and all that's that's pro- producing a little bit of discussion. But uh, other than that, just gearing up uh, for the start of training camp here.
1: Yep, we are doing our best to keep you guys. Was something to read about, at least, and uh yesterday I had my best and worst case scenarios for the 2023 Steelers rookie class, the annual just fun, creative writing, meaningless exercise. But you guys seem to like it a lot, so I make sure to write that every year, so check that out on the site. But Dave, we'll jump on in, and we'll kind of start by picking off on a topic we had mentioned and discussed on both. The most recent podcast on Friday and a little bit during our live stream yesterday on YouTube talking about Kim Hayward. And one of the people in the chat on YouTube yesterday asked about, you know, if Kim Hayward continues to play at a high level, would you extend him after the 2024 season? I think our perspective was more would he get an extension after the 2023 season? So if you have any kind of finer thoughts on on that, feel free to share.
0: Yeah, look, and I think that's an interesting discussion. And 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 you know more so uh I think the question that, that we received was more along the lines of if he goes these next two seasons, right? Uh mm-hmm. and plays out then what would you do at, at 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 that point there. And I really think more than anything, the conversation uh look, they they could definitely go that way, right? Both sides definitely could. But I mean if 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 you look at and what you hope would be a, a another uh, very consistent season by Cameron Hayward in 2023, and and what would that look like, Alex? You know, uh, obviously playing in in at least 16 of the 17 games, probably logging anywhere between 75 to 85 percent of the total defensive snaps. Uh, you'll know it when you see it. As far as his his his, his quality of play on tape, uh, I I would venture to say anywhere but from I don't know seven to twelve sacks somewhere in that area. Uh, obviously, you know once again you you'll be able to notice it on tape. But there's no reason to think that there's going to be a huge drop off, if any, in 2023. So let's assume. Uh, 2023 season for Cameron Hayward meets up uh, to our standards. And when you look at the defensive tackle, uh, you know, the interior tackle position overall uh, in the NFL and, and where he ranks from an average yearly value right now, uh, his average yearly value coming out of his last or on his last on the on his current contract is 16.4 million. There are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 players uh, currently with, you know, that, that, that earned more than him. And I mean, I, you'd be hard pressed. I mean, if you were to build a list of top players let's even say top 10 defensive interior defensive lineman in the NFL right now. Cam Hayward's in that, right?
1: Sure. Now he's, he's been on some of those recent lists and more towards 10 than where he's been, which is more in that three to four range. But to me, he's still a top five kind of guy.
0: All right. So, uh, I mean, but, but slam dunk top 10, right? You, you would think, or, or, or top, uh, Let's let's call him one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Let's let's say top eight, okay? Okay. Uh, uh, I think we would have both agree with that. And I, I think it's reasonable to think if he stays healthy, he will come out of the 2023 season one of the top ten. Uh, mm-hmm. I I I think that's fair when it comes to him. So within that, and if you also look ahead. And look, this is way too early on some of this stuff when you start looking at the Steelers' salary cap situation, because there's going to be a lot of things uh, that are going to help uh, shape that. You know, obviously, if you get a, a if you have an Alex Highsmith uh, extension coming up, you're going to have a you know fairly sizable. Uh, uh, Cap hit to deal with in 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 2024 with him, albeit you'll probably be able to restructure it. Uh, you're going to have more than likely a a TJ Watt restructure this summer that will bump his number up in 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 2024. So there's that to deal with. But just looking at Cam Hayward uh, and his situation, when you look at 2024, his cap hit is scheduled to be. 22.4 million. Well that's that's a sizable cap hit for a guy that uh or, or on a team that's going to have some maneuvering to do next offseason there. So where I'm going with this and what we kind of briefly discussed on on the live chat uh Monday night there is and once again, all it, it's a big assumption here. Cam Hayward stays healthy and productive, or, or really the Cam Hayward as we know him right now in 2023, uh, and you think he can play a couple more years? Then I think next summer is the perfect situation to go ahead and get Cam Hayward extended uh sign him to a two year extension on top of his 2024 season, bump him up in the average yearly value category to let's say right around 20 million, which we'll see how many other defensive linemen get paid before then. But I would still venture to say that would have him top 10 uh at, at, at that stage there. And you could do that uh and even you know pay out a fair cash payment uh, scheduled to him over the course of 2024, 2025, 2026, and, and lower his cap charge by what would it be here? $8 million.
1: Sure. That all makes sense. I mean, it just, A, comes down to the play, but I think the play has still been steady and consistent. And I mentioned this yesterday and I, Should have just looked it up, but I was in the middle of the live stream, kind of hard to do. So I just did it as you were talking earlier in the offseason. Hayward had said he wanted to play another five years. That was his goal, five years, which puts him through, I guess, the 2027 season. Um, So that's his target. Will he get there? Who the heck knows to be? He'd be 38 in his final year. Some defense linemen have played at that age. Not many, but obviously Cam is not. Uh, like your average defense alignment. so that's his target goal. and so I'm sure he's open to an extension and wanting to play for five more years.
0: I mean obviously you can instead of doing this extension uh, for two years on top of two thousand and twenty four you could you could draw it out to be you know uh, uh, two thousand and twenty you know four uh, you know another couple of years on top of it there and in the process, you'd be stretching out that signing bonus. Uh, you know even more right. uh, and thus you know potentially saving even a couple of more million in 2024 when it comes to his overall cap number there but it you know it, it, it's it's all gonna come out in the wash anyway at some you know if he doesn't make it through uh, either you know the two the two add-on years or the four add-on years right, right. Uh, there's still potential of some dead money in there so I mean if it made him feel better, that he signed a four-year extension instead of a uh, two-year extension, you could get that done, you know? Sure. Uh, but You don't just, see that
1: for many 34-year-old non-quarterbacks, but right, obviously that's his goal. What, what do you think from an average yearly value number, if an extension were to happen of any length next year, what number are you thinking on that?
0: 20 million. 20 million? Okay. Right. And, and, and uh, I think when the dust settles – that would have him right there, uh, right at maybe, you know, number 10 overall, or right, right there at number 10, uh, overall, depending on obviously how many contracts get done before then. But I don't, uh, uh, but I, I, think that's a fair number. Cause what did I say? He's at now 16.4, you know, something, uh, right now, uh, that would give him, you know, a slight bump there in the average yearly value number. And the way that I have drawn, drawn out the example here with him, uh, you would be looking at, uh, as, as part of just a two year extension with him next off season, you're looking at, well, why didn't that come out right there? Hold on a minute. Yeah. You'd be looking at that times three, would be you're looking at a twenty one point seven five million dollar signing bonus uh, next offseason. You're looking at a base salary in 2024 of one point two five million. That would give him a take uh, for a cash flow of twenty three million in total for two thousand and twenty four. And then you've got previous proration from his last contract that you'd obviously have to be dealing with his new cap number based on everything. I just told you would be 14.906250, which be, it would be exactly a decrease of 8 million from what it was you know, scheduled to be in 2024 there. Uh, once again, you know the cash flow in that first year of twenty-three million, whatever it was—a two-year deal or a four-year or a two-year extension or a four-year extension—is still going to be the same. Mm-hmm. The only kind of uh, uh, reprieve that you get is stretching that signing bonus out uh, over. You know, a five year period instead of a three year period uh, when, when it comes out, that, that would help you You know, in the immediate there with the 2024 cap number. But uh, the cash flow on this, what this would be is because he still had he's due 16 million in 2024 as part of his old contract. That becomes old money at that point. so you still got to account for that. and then where the new 20 million dollars per year of new money average would be in 2025 and 2026. So 20 million plus 20 million is 40 million plus his old money is 16 million, you would essentially be looking at a two-year extension worth 40 million dollars but, but the entire three-year uh, deal would be 56 million in total.
1: Do you think he would? Sounds under- like I should
0: work for a team's done. Yeah, it feels like the contract's <laughs> done. It feels like we're already
1: talking about it and we're just in, in the hypothetical right now. But I know it's the offseason. Do you think he would go for 10th highest paid defense lineman? Because I know he does not think he's the 10th best defense lineman in football. I know he, he thinks he's a lot higher than that. He probably is higher than that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you're going to be it economically. I don't think it makes sense. Uh, on the steeler side to 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 go much higher than that i mean you could technically because uh javon uh hargrave is at uh 21 million average yearly value right now at fifth overall because this is a hierarchy right now 31.6 for aaron donald jeffrey simmons 23.5 uh Deron Payne 22.5 uh, Dexter Lawrence 22.5 and then both Javon Hargrave and Leonard Williams at and DeForest Buckner all at 21 million. So you would technically uh if if the hierarchy stayed like this until the same time next year, if if you wanted to get uh uh, uh Cam Hayward uh in that top five, it would have to come in right at probably twenty-two million for for a new money average. And I mean, I know 20 million new money average to 22 million is, is it, you know, if you are splitting hairs, it isn't all my, and you could definitely work around that, you know, if he was stuck on it being that number, mm-hmm. but you could do it, but if you are going to do it, it would probably have to be a four year extension, uh, to help alleviate with, with, you know, to help get you the cap decrease that you're looking for in 2024, because at that point you'd be looking, let's see, if you're looking at uh, uh, 22 million, you'd probably be looking at a a, a take home. uh, Let's see, 22 times. Yeah. You'd be looking at you'd have to do a four year extension at that point, but you, you could definitely get it done. If Cam Hayward was dead set on being top five paid, uh, into your defensive linemen. So anywhere between 20, a new money average of 20 million to probably 22 million you could get done.
1: Yeah, I just think he would want to try to jump those guys that just got paid. Plus, Quinn and Williams is going to get paid at some point here soon, probably before Hayward extension gets done. So um, I, I would think it would be somewhere more like 21 and a half million per year is what he's going to, aim for as opposed to 20.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, you could definitely get this done, but once again, I think you'd be looking at instead of a two year extension, you'd be looking at a four uh, year extension and obviously the odds of him playing that out, you know, Well he uh, says,
1: I mean, he wants to right. play five years. I mean, obviously will he, you know, who knows, but if somebody's going to do right. it, it's going to be him. Sure, sure.
0: Sure. Sure. Uh, and, and, but this obviously, and look, God, uh, that, that would give the ability, obviously, uh uh immediately in 2025 assuming 2024 was okay you could restructure and get a little bit of a cap uh break that way you 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 would do a uh whatever extension you're doing with him i mean obviously if you did just a two year extension with him you'd be hoping to get 2024 or two and, and 2025 out of him uh and if you did uh, a four year extension with him you're doing so with the idea that he play at least 2024, 2025, and
1: 2026. Is there any additional risk to restructuring a guy who's in his late 30s at that point? Is sure. That, uh, sure. Extra cost for concern in sure. doing it. Sure. Yeah. But yep, either yeah. way, I mean, yeah. the, 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 if, if Hayward's still going strong, And wants to keep playing, and both those things, both of those things seem likely. Then an extension will happen. The details are the the details, but the overall extension is kind of the point here.
0: I yeah, I feel good about saying that as long as he doesn't fall off a cliff this year. You know, in other words, what we said. You know, seventy-five to eighty-five percent of the total defensive snaps plays in sixteen of the seventeen games. statistically anywhere between seven and a half to 12 sacks. Uh, I I think and he's wanting to continue to go on. Uh, I think there's a good chance that this time next year, we're talking extension with him.
1: How does Pittsburgh better manage his snap count? I know it was down a little bit last year. I think that was maybe partially a product of a couple of blowout losses where he kind of got to sit because the game was over. Pat Kerwin made a comment last week that They need to kind of load manage to use the NBA term Hayward a bit more at this stage in his career. I'm still not crazy about the depth that, you know, base defensive end at three tech in Pittsburgh right now. So I think Pittsburgh's still trying to to walk that line.
0: Well, how did he even get to the 75 percent? Uh, I mean, there there were years a couple of years ago we were screaming to see if he could get uh, at least below eighty, right? Yeah. Oh, they say it every
1: uh, year. And Every right. year, yeah. Not not. We'll do it next year. I mean, they kind of did it last year, but let me let me check with the. Uh, how did up. that?
0: How did that happen? You know. And, uh, can, and can you duplicate it?
1: I mean, against Buffalo, you only played forty snaps, seventy-one percent. Against the Eagles, thirty-nine snaps, sixty-eight percent. Um, uh,
0: obviously, you don't want to duplicate it that way by getting blown out. <laughs> right.
1: His lowest snap count actually came in week one against the Bengals. Fifty seven snaps, fifty seven percent, which is the more relevant number. I'm not sure what happened in that game because I mean, there was a like 90 snap game. It was something absurd to the start, but I don't know how that was his lowest uh, percentage of snaps. I don't know if he got dinged for a moment or what happened in that game.
0: Yeah. Mm. Uh... Well, the way you do it is you gotta get other people to step up and uh you know, and uh, you know, obviously you're gonna hope Larry Ogan Joby returns back to what he was the year prior to to uh to 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 coming to Pittsburgh. Uh maybe you know, you hope Leal takes that next step. Uh mm-hmm. you know, maybe you can get uh uh Watts out there for a couple snaps, right? Uh sure. Armon Watts. Uh, cause he's probably going to be best suited to kind of play that, that, that three, four, I, right.
1: Yeah, he's played both. I mean, you know, he's not done much in sub and so he really probably won't replace Hayward in in nickel, but in base, there could be a couple of rotational steps. I'm just looking through.
0: Can can you get into eighty percent? You know, I think seventy five percent. I, I idea. You know, you don't want to be in any blowouts on the wrong end of them. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, to 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 create that scenario. So if you're looking at this at an optimistic, uh, viewpoint as far as how gains go and not having to rest him that way, uh, I think a more realistic percentage would be eighty percent. Right.
1: Okay. Yeah, I'm just looking at the uh the snap count log, uh, from last year, and you can actually see Pittsburgh make that effort to limit his snaps early, and then ramp things up late, which is ideally what you want to do. So the weeks in which he played the fewest amount of snaps last year from a percentage standpoint was week one, week 13, week four, week eight. The weeks in which he played 80% plus of the snaps were week 10, week 18, week 15, week 17, week 16, week 14. And so you really saw them ramp things up as Pittsburgh was trying to make that true playoff push towards the end so that that's going to be their goal is try to limit a bit early in the year the first half and then as you get down the stretch the snap count goes up and you're trying to you know obviously maximize your your chances of winning so that's going to probably be be their goal again this year do they have the depth to do it last year you had a chris warmly you felt probably more comfortable about rotating him in than maybe what you have this year and so that's going to be the concern
0: yeah, and how about just uh uh lower the amount of defensive plays that you have to play too by getting that, off the field. It's also,
1: now now the, the the second half of last year, they were barely on the field. I mean, the snap right. count really reduced the first half. It was, you know, obviously crazy high. And I should say once uh Warmley got hurt, then you saw Hayward snap count also go up because there there was lacking depth there. So that's probably another reason why late in the season post Ravens game that you saw uh Hayward snap count dramatically go up but that's probably their their calculation is try to limit early keep him fresh and then last quarter stretch run you're playing this guy full tilt
0: well obviously if he's not on the field somebody's got to be on the field in his place you know right. And you hope that you get people to be able to step up and 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 absorb you know some of those snaps there uh so uh you know i i get what i get what pat curwin was saying uh, last week on, on Sirius and all like that. But on the flip side, I wonder if he really even knows that Cam played as few steps as he, or, you know, uh uh as, as low a percentage as he played.
1: Yeah, know? it was his lowest in years, um, if you just look at the, the total number there. But that is the one downside to having Cam Hayward is, it's hard to take that guy off the right. field because you want to have Cam Hayward on the field. And so you really have to tell yourself it's for the, uh, the long-term goal.
0: Right. So, uh, but, you know, I, I think the byproduct of this entire conversation is, A, as we sit here right now, there's no reason to think Cam Hayward's going to, you know, slow down or fall off the cliff, you know, uh, in, in 2023, and, you know, hopefully that you... You can do something along the lines of keeping his snaps in line to around uh, right around eighty percent in two thousand and twenty-three, and then this time next year he's healthy and feels good and still wanting to play several more years, and 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 you you can talk extension next year.
1: All right, Dave, let's talk. Did you want to talk some more contract numbers? So you just mentioned that in our lengthy pre-production meeting. I'm not entirely sure what direction, if that was Hayward related or something else. But no, it,
0: it was just, hey, I was playing around as okay. a byproduct with some numbers this morning of what maybe an extension would look like just to kind of framework it and all like that. And I think we we we, we went over that enough there.
1: And no updates on the Porter situation. There's not been any other really, I mean, it's just really Porter versus Levis. None of the other second round picks that are unsigned are impacting, I assume, what Porter situation is.
0: Well, the way this fight sets up, it, it, it's, it's technically uh, Porter versus the Steelers and Levis uh, uh, quasi wanting to get into the Porter fight. But uh, the whole Levis situation is sitting there just watching Porter. uh, okay. uh It's not that Porter's sitting. I don't. I don't view this as Porter sitting there watching the Levis situation. It's more if if one side's watching this, the other side more. It's Levis watching Porter sure. uh, because he wants to see. Because if you look at how this thing track has tracked with these second round picks and the guaranteed uh money percentages in year four of their contracts, uh the 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 way the step up uh, step ups have been has been five percent each. And if uh Sam Laporta with the Lions was the last one, I think at twenty percent uh of his of his year four, uh that that would tell you that uh Levis should be at twenty five percent and Porter at thirty percent. Well uh that that's not going to happen, I don't think. And, uh, at least with Porter, I think there's going to be some happy medium uh, between thirty percent, you know, whatever high end you want to say, uh, uh, greater than thirty percent. And then what's going to happen is Levis is going to say, "Well, I want five percent less uh, less than." than, than, than Porter in his year four. So it's more of Levis watching Porter than Porter watching Levis. And it's more Porter versus the Steelers, if that makes sense.
1: Okay. I got you. Do you think Con, well, I, I shouldn't say Con, I should say Cole Marco, who's not really kind of the new cap guy in Porter's camp are even talking, or do you think they kind of reconvene a couple of days before camp and say, all right, we got to figure this thing out. Let's just, you know, but let's make our offers and let's get this deal done. Or do you I think it's an ongoing I, discussion?
0: If I had to guess and that's all it is, there's not daily trading of numbers going that, on that's, here. What I'm, that's what I think. Uh, uh, here. And in, in fact, you know, I, I the, the, the steelers probably sent out that slip of paper weeks ago and, <laughs> and, and uh, are not listening to anything uh, since, now. obviously, you know, deadline spur action, right? Uh, uh, you want you really would like Joey Porter in camp for the start of it there. Uh, there's not and it's not like you're waiting on too much on either side of them at this point either. Right. Because yeah,
1: someone just got a blink.
0: Right. They, Those guys, Levis and Porter are boxed in now uh, on on both sides. of them. And and the, the box inside ahead of Joey Porter is obviously what the first round draft picks and, and their deals are 100 percent guaranteed. Uh, so that's the high side. And the bottom side is the uh, Laporta deal uh, uh who's picked after Levis. And, and that's, uh, I think that was 20, uh, 20% of his year for money. So there's, you know, it, it is indeed a situation where everybody's waiting for Porter's side to blame. So uh, I, 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 I think, I don't think, there's much. I don't think you're going to see much give on the Steeler side on it. Uh, I think they're going to try to toe the line. You know, uh, probably around fifty percent. I would think. I I I will be a bit surprised if they go more than fifty percent of the year four money being fully guaranteed. And I I, guess- I, I think that's giving quite a bit on their part.
1: And I guess they have a bit more leverage because while they obviously would want Porter to be there for the first day of practice, Porter probably wants to be there a little bit more. You don't want to miss any time as a rookie. So it would be a story that no one would want to kind of distract and be the headline of the start of training camp. But I imagine that, you know, Porter's going to feel that urgency a bit more than the Steelers side will.
0: And look, I know everybody will look at this and say, Joey needs to quit being greedy and, uh, look, that's, that's why you have agents because, and and that's why every year agents try to push the line on this guaranteed money. And, uh, you know, some people think it's just splitting, splitting hairs here, but I mean, it, it matters and it matters to future generations of, of players as well, too. Then an agent's job is to get his player, uh, you know, Uh, As much guaranteed money as they possibly can, and that's why there is this is a situation. And look, I know some people are trying to say uh, it's all it's all relegated to the pick number, not the round number, really, because the pick number that's that's how his agents are trying to frame this. He's a 32nd overall pick; he should have 100% fully guaranteed contract, and the Steelers are going. Not so fast, my friend. (laughs) Uh,
1: You'll lead Corso.
0: Right. Uh, He's technically a second round player here that we're dealing with there, you know, but his agents are continuing and going back. Yeah, but he's the 32nd overall player and history dictates that it's guaranteed. And that's where the battle is. It's it's not any, uh, some people are trying to say in, in the comments that, uh, well, you know, it's it's a whole you know fifth year option thing and all like that. Well, nothing that there. That's not a negotiation tactic because there's no way uh, in the CBA for him to even get that. You mm-hmm. know, as technically a second round pick. The whole quasi framed argument on Porter's end is yeah, but he's the 32nd overall pick in this draft where, you know, what's interesting. uh I don't know if I can find it. I, I thought I had pulled it up, you know, in that graphic uh that they put out you know, every year when the picks made and the Steelers picks made, I think if you go back and look at that pick uh, mm-hmm. uh that pick graphic, it says 33rd. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thought, were they trying to send a message there that, Look, technically you're the 33rd pick in the draft, even though on paper he was the 32nd pick, right. you know, uh 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 when it comes to that. So you you can frame this to whatever side you want to be on in uh when it comes to the Joey Porter situation. I understand why why his agent, why his representation is which is athletes first, by the way, and they've got a, high, a lot of high name uh uh, people, you know, that uh, NFL players, uh, you know, uh, under that umbrella there. And it's their job to try to push this line as as, as much as they can here. Uh, I think it still gets done before camp, Alex. And I, I think a give and take on both sides would be 50 percent of uh, uh, the year four money uh, guaranteed. And then Levis will have his hand out at the end uh, thinking he should get 45 percent.
1: That sounds reasonable. And I agree. I think it will happen before camp. I'd be pretty surprised if it didn't in this, excuse me, day and age. Um, yeah, I haven't seen many comments about people thinking he's greedy. I've seen a couple, but to me, whether it gets done today or eight seconds before training camp begins, like as long as it's done before you miss any sort of time, then who cares, you know, when it gets done. So that wouldn't be being greedy, whether it gets done today or next week. Um, but I think it will happen before camp. And then the, the framing that you're you know laying out sounds about right to me.
0: Uh and I know a lot of people think we've talked five minutes or eight minutes too long on this, but I abs- I absolutely <laughs> love love this minutia of the negotiation and the guaranteeing and the learning more and more about the rookie contracts and the agents pushing the line and 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 this, that, and the other. But uh uh once again, I, I this is a this is Porter versus the Steelers. Levis versus Porter. If that makes sense.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. No, I'm just. My job today is wind and you if, up and, and let you go.
0: If Levis signs today and and accepts twenty five percent in 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 guaranteed money of year four, Porter, Porter side gets don't. Sturdy. No, they, he no, don't, it doesn't matter. He don't. They don't give a damn about that. No. Okay. No, I I don't think what Levis does really impacts what Porter's going to do and end up doing here
1: right but it, but in all likelihood levis is going to wait until porter signs so he sets the mark because you ah. don't want to be levis and sign and then porter gets double the guaranteed and you look really bad as an agent on levis side.
0: right exactly uh yeah. levis could very well end up being the the last draft Alas. pick to, uh to to uh to sign and look there's still a a a, a large number of second rounders that haven't signed yet You know, but those those guys are beyond in that next wave there, Mm -hmm. and none of them impact you know, Porter or Levis situation, they, they've all got their own. Somebody in the middle of that chain is going to have to break it. And then I think you'll see the rest of those second round sure. picks. And there's even like three or four, what, uh, first round guys that haven't signed yet. But uh, I think the domino is going to, the closer you get to camp, all of these guys are going to start uh, getting deals. But don't be surprised if Porter and Levis are, are the last two
1: we've been saying that for a while. I mean that is a conversation we've had for for quite some time. So we'll keep you posted on it, but yeah, probably going to wait a little bit longer on on Porter and, and Levis uh, getting their deals done. All right, Dave, uh, Dick Lebeau was on the All Things Covered podcast with Brian Mcfadden, episode that aired yesterday. Really good conversation. So I know we had Coach Lebeau on earlier this offseason got to talk with him and the, the two covered some of the some, uh, some of the same topics that we had talked about, but there was some new ground in there. What was kind of the most notable thing that Coach LeBeau said in yesterday's interview, Dave? Uh yes. <laughs>
0: Look, I mean all, he
1: looks great. So he just oh, looks man. Like fantastic.
0: And, and, and still sharp, you know, as as we found out ourselves in talking to uh, to Coach Lebeau. I mean uh you know who's the big winner in all this is Scott, our, our very own Scott Brown, because he's writing the book uh, mm-hmm. with, with 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 Dick LeBeau. So uh, just you know, further reason to look ahead uh, to 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 that book and, and and on the defense and all like that, uh, which I guess would be what two thousand twenty four. Scott has told us, I think, but uh, yes. uh yeah, I love I love the story about uh, him talking about Troy Polamalu. You know, and and you know his his greatest moment, uh, he he, he views with him was really one that uh, was more of I guess of a teaching moment with with Paul Amalo in that game several years ago against the Bengals when when Troy had the late interception and tried a lateral and and fumbled and and how he kind of had to get it. He says, "You guys know me. I don't. I, I never really got on you guys, but it just goes to show that." LeBeau knew when there was a right time to have to coach these coach coach these coaches players up and get on them a little bit, and of all players, it had to be uh, Troy Polamalu that had to get a little bit of the uh, uh, wrath of it, and it that sent me down the rabbit hole going back and watching the final because uh, <laughs> uh, uh, he got on him pretty hard when he was coming off the field, you know. And that was mm-hmm. a game that the Steelers had in hand uh at, at at that point. And I think LeBeau said something, it was about 40 or 50 seconds uh later, you know, uh Troy comes back over and you know the, the two of them hug and he pats them on the head, and you know what great you know pictures and, and visual that is overall there. But I, I just thought, you know, we're all human, we all make mistakes, right? And uh that was a a, a situation where LeBeau's coaching late in the game and 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 getting having to get on one of the uh, less likely uh, candidates in that situation. And it all worked out perfect, you know,
1: and there's something about the mentality that I think almost all the great coaches have of. They're always coaching, no matter the circumstance. It's it's 23-7. Like you said, the game's over. Like, Pittsburgh's going to win that game. Even if the Bengals were to recover that football, the game is over. Pittsburgh's going to come out on top. But you're still coaching. It's still the coaching point. You're still not following the principle. It's like when you watch Nick Saban, and they're up 40 to nothing, and it's fourth quarter, and he's still yelling and screaming because somebody missed an assignment or someone screwed up. Like, you're always coaching. You're always keeping the standard high. And that's who Coach LeBeau was. And that's who Troy was, too. Just made that mistake. He he really internalized it, felt it, and just a wonderful, wonderful moment, those two embracing there. So it really just spoke to, I think, the character of both men.
0: You know, and throughout LeBeau's coaching career and press conferences and all like that, you know, he was always about, well, you know, I coach great players, you know, and uh, he always deflects, uh, you know, the praise and all uh, that he got, but I mean, it, you know, it, it, it did great coaches in the, especially at the NFL level can only do so much, right?
1: Sure. It, there's got to be the talent to execute right. that vision and that principle.
0: And I think that was, you know, uh, such a great marriage, uh, you know, between great players and great coaches. And boy, mm-hmm. has, has LeBeau coached some great, some <laughs> great players. And played
1: with some great players. Right. I mean, right. Light Train Lane, Lem I mean, those Lions defenses he was part of as a player were fantastic.
0: Now, did did the game eventually, did the game pass LeBeau by or did the talent level players, uh, you know, decrease or both, you know, during, yeah, pro- during his latter years there? Sure.
1: Probably both. But I think the talent depleted quicker than the game passed LeBeau by. I mean, when you have Jarvis Jones and all of them, it's harder to, to run right. your defense than when you have Debo and the great talent of those mid 2000s defenses.
0: Right. And obviously, too, you know, he was, you know, more heavily slanted t- towards zone, you know. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, zone because, well, because I mean, because that's what he had the talent to play with there. And unfortunately, at the end of that kind of the later years of that, 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 that those greater, you know, talented Steelers defenses there, uh, you had personnel that was more geared, especially in the secondary, to play zone, you know.
1: Right. I mean, but he's a, you know, fire zone guy. And I, I like that discussion that he had with B Mac as well about the origins of the fire zone that you know he was doing a lot of study that you know man coverage pressure packages they produce the, the the big splash plays defensively but they also have a lot of risk where the offense can get big plays if somebody misses a tackle because you're bringing pressure it's man coverage one guy misses that stop it's a 50 yard play the other way and so he was trying to match having big plays while still having kind of a safe defense and that's where the zone blitz and the fire zones and all those things come from so it's really good to hear the history of that and uh, really get that from you know, one of the godfathers of the the fire zone, zone blitz defense.
0: Look, I think you could put him out there on the sideline, you know, tomorrow and he could call a defense for you.
1: Yeah, I absolutely think that, that he could. I mean, the guy's still sharp as a tack. So uh, I liked also just my 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 last thought there uh, about James Harrison and LeBeau seemed particularly prideful that he was never part of a team that cut. James Harrison, you know, he didn't get to Pittsburgh until after Harrison was kind of a bit more established and wasn't bouncing on and off the way he did in the early 2000s two two 2002 between Pittsburgh and Baltimore. So a lot of pride that, you know, Harrison stayed and then, of course, became the player he became.
0: Boy, those guys will go, go, go to the hill for him, won't they? <laughs> those yeah, players that he were. had, uh, they 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 loved him and yeah. and still love him. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. So really good uh discussion and conversation there. Dave, you're doing a series right now. Um trying to, you know, pass the time preview the year. Speaking of past rushers, TJ Watt and focusing in on the right tackles he's likely to face in twenty twenty-three. Has there been any interesting overall thoughts or what's kind of been your biggest takeaway so far?
0: I think, especially as far as I've gotten so far, I think they're when you look at it uh, uh, overall and, and let's uh, more so look at it, let's say through the first, uh, I don't know let's look at it through the first six games uh, of the season. We'll talk a little bit more about this as, as you know, in the next couple of weeks, uh, the remainder of the series, but uh, obviously it looks like he's going to open up against McKivitt's uh, uh, with the 49ers. And I think, uh, you know, you, you got a very, uh, inexperienced player in McKivitt's overall. I think my main takeaway going into week one, assuming all this stays the same uh, with it, is I, I think the matchup sets up very favorable for for TJ Watt right out of the shoot against the 49ers, and I think the byproduct of that is going to be that the 49ers are going to have to pay a lot of attention to making sure they get their, their, uh, their, their right tackle some help in that game.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's a really notable matchup that will be talked about more closer to week one, but it is maybe the, the matchup to watch because the 49ers lost their really good right tackling Mike McGlinchey to Denver and replace him with McKivitz, a former fifth round pick, a relatively local guy played his ball at West Virginia, uh, but has not played a ton of football at the NFL level. And so I expect he's going to get a lot of help in that game from George Kittle from the tight end chips and alignment and the quick game, all that kind of stuff. So that'll be the, matchup to watch, I think, in week one.
0: All right. And week two you get who? The Browns, right? Uh and 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 Conklin. And uh those guys missed each other last year, right? Uh didn't I write? Yeah, that?
1: Conklin's been hurt a lot.
0: Right and Watt obviously missed some some right. uh, uh, missed the first uh, I think meeting between those two mm-hmm. uh, there those guys do have a little limited history uh, prior to then but yo, know, Conklin is a veteran uh, Watt is a veteran it's not like they don't know each other uh, and Conklin when Conklin's on he's on. I think. So, uh, this is going to be a very, uh, uh, very good early season, uh, test. And, and quite honestly, Conklin might be one of the, uh, there, there, you know, he's obviously going to have a few, uh, interesting matchups. What is this year? Conklin might be up there in, you know, top three, uh, 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 you know, right tackles that, that TJ Watt will face in 2023. So that, that most definitely is going to be an interesting uh, matchup in week three. You got uh, Ella, Ella, Ella Munor, uh with the Raiders. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. And that is a guy that I think if you look in totality, uh, I like Watts matchup in that game. And then, uh, week 4 is the game against who, who the texans right uh and Titus Howard i think uh overall uh, i think that's a matchup that uh favors watt and then you get into the next uh two games you have Morgan Moses with the ravens and then Rob Havenstein uh uh with the rams and both those guys are obviously experienced guys uh that Moses you know that Moses watt matchup uh uh versus uh, versus, uh, who's at the Ravens. Uh, is going to be mm-hmm. an in- interesting uh, one to watch. And then Havenstein, you know, is a Wisconsin product. So there's go- going to be kind of be a built-in kind of storyline, uh, there. And I think those two faced each other back, uh, last time the, the Steelers played the Rams. And I think Watt was the better of the two players, uh, on that day there. So it sets up and, and obviously injuries can change this, uh, McKivitt's Conklin, Alan Munor, uh, Titus Howard, Morgan Moses, and Rob Havenstein is the first six right tackles it looks like uh, Watt will face.
1: Overall, a pretty, quote-unquote, favorable, I think, matchups in Watt's favor. I mean, obviously, any uh-huh. guy he's going to go against, he's going to probably have the advantage because he's TJ Watt. But, um, yeah, I mean, again, McKibbett's out of the gate. Illuminor, as you said, it's a decent guy, but not a high-end type. Uh, Moses... You know, it's been a solid tackle. It's got a lot of size, and so there'll be a bit of an issue there. Yeah, Havenstein. I think weren't they? They were teammates at some point. I think in Wisconsin too. Correct? Not just both. They're from there. I think they were on the same squad together.
0: Yeah, but what was a much uh, was a few years. Uh, one probably didn't even know who the other was.
1: That's probably true. <laughs> but just from from the storyline standpoint, you know, they were right. teammates in college. Now they're playing against each other in the NFL. Um, maybe they faced each other before. They probably have, actually, because they played the Rams in, what, 19. But uh, anyway, yeah, I think, you know, it, it's interesting to look at. I'm not sure if there's a big draw takeaway other than to say that, you know, these are all, you know, winnable matchups for T.J. Watt. And he could have, I think he could have big numbers in week one. He could he could break James Harrison's sack record in week one if, if you really, you know, pushed it.
0: Right, right. And, and look, I think uh, as people will see if they're following along in the series, uh, I I think it really tilts a, a little bit, a little bit heavier and Watts uh, favored the, the more middle to the season that you get there. Now, obviously you have rematches with the, you know, AFC teams in there. Uh, and what's going to happen with the Bengals? You know, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm fixing to have to write that up, I think, to uh, today as part of the middle of, 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 of the season. Uh, you know, matchups that Watt will face there. But uh, you've got that uh, tackle over there. the uh, uh, uh who's Jonah in, Williams. Yeah, Jonah Williams, who, you know, has previously played on the left side, has been a little bit disgruntled about having to move over to the right side and uh, going to be interesting. You know, he is a guy that, you know, hasn't been perfect since coming into the NFL. What's that? What's that matchup going to look like? You know,
1: sure. It's an unknown. And also, as you mentioned, the Titans unknown in what is that week nine? Don't know mm-hmm. who they're going to be putting out there. It could be a bunch of people. It could be Andre Dillard. It could be less likely, but Peter Skaronsky, uh, what is it? Uh, Nicholas Petit, uh, Ferrer, right. Potentially be a guy, but there's really not a, a known right tackle for them right now.
0: Yeah. that stuff. I, I went and read as much as I possibly could, uh, uh, before writing that up about who, you know, because obviously Petit uh, uh, Ferreira will be back from the suspension by then, but this is a guy that didn't look all that great at right tackle for the Titans last year. And with him having to serve that uh, suspension, they're obviously going to have to play somebody else at right tackle. They paid Dillard a lot of money. He's probably going to, he's going to play one of the two tackle spots. Mm -hmm. Uh, Obviously Skoronsky mostly played left tackle in, in, in college. And if the Titans got through the first, you know, however many games without Patet foray, with 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 feeling pretty comfortable, you know, they're probably going to stick with with what's working with them instead of, you know, uh, bringing a guy back from suspension to throw him in there. So uh, or could it be uh, they've got a couple of younger tackles that I, I think they're pretty excited about as well, too. Will one of those guys step up? Or will Skrotsky be a guard? You know, sure. uh, there's a lot. You you read up about what, what the Titans may or may not do. And it's it really is and with the suspension in there, it really is hard to kind of predict who will be their starting right tackle come come the time that they face the Steelers.
1: And of course with injuries, it's hard to predict any right tackle, you know, once you get past the first two, three weeks of the season. So, you know, we'll see. But interesting series and uh excited to see the rest of the list. All right. All right, Dave, uh, today on the site, I had a list of four Steelers, I think, who could break out in Pittsburgh. These are some more veteran types and guys that may have had breakout seasons with other teams in the NFL, but I'm just saying breaking out in Pittsburgh as in they're taking another step in a Steelers uniform. I think James Daniels, Dave, could really have a, a, a you know, really even better second season because he was better, the much better the back half of last year, but. You know, he's now a full season in. He's not learning the system that Pat Meyer has. He can teach it better. He can lead better. He can really refine and hone his craft as opposed to just trying to get the basics, the foundational aspect of his system um, down. So I think that really is going to elevate his play. The dude's, what, 26, prime of his career. I think the combination of everything coming together, you know, experience, and still some of that youthfulness is going to give Daniels a chance to be a really high-end guard not just in Pittsburgh, but the entire NFL.
0: What, what, what are his look? Pro Bowl is obviously a uh, popularity contest, mm-hmm. so he would have to play out of his ever-loving mind uh, uh, to, to to sway some people. Maybe in that category, maybe have some injuries around the league or something for that to happen. But uh, what realistically is it realistic for for a first team All Pro for him?
1: I'm not sure who first team all pro guard was last year. Again, there's some of that. The guys that become that often stay there for quite right. some time. So I would look more towards Pro Bowl because that's probably easier to accomplish. And the best way to do that would probably be Pittsburgh having an awesome run game. Because if you have a really good run game, that's usually how you get noticed if you're a guard in terms of getting a Pro Bowl selection. If you're offensive, Nashi Harris has a big season. You see some clips of Daniels leading the way. That's kind of the connection there. So. Will he make Pro Bowl? I don't know. As you said, there is some of that popularity contest, but, you know, just the eye test, just us watching it and him being the best version of himself from day one, as opposed to struggling throughout the summer, still finding his footing the first half of the season in terms of, again, the on-body sets, the the hop steps, all those techniques that Meyer uh, teaches. um, That's all. He's all comfortable with that now. And so that can really propel yourself being year two in this system to focus on your game and not worry about just the the big picture stuff and really become the best version that you can be.
0: I I think the biggest thing here is maybe the fact that uh, Daniels has the ability to have himself in the conversation after the season of he was snubbed.
1: Sure. That's if that's the conversation we're having. I mean, I, I hope that's the conversation we're having. I think it's a conversation we could be having or that he actually gets some of those accolades. I think that is certainly possible.
0: Okay. I like it.
1: Larry Okunjobi next on my list. And again, I know he's had breakout years in the past, but Pittsburgh one and a half sacks last year, played through injuries, wasn't signed until June, you know, again, full off season with the team. Hopefully, I mean, he's healthy now. Hopefully he stays healthy, hits the ground running in training camp, you no know, easing him into it. And I just think if he plays, you know, 16, 15 games, he's going to, he almost going to have to have more than one and a half sacks that he had last year.
0: Oh yeah, look, and this is a conversation that, you know, go back just a couple of weeks ago with him talking about how he feels better this off-season and all the trials and tribulations he had uh last off-season and and kind of led, you know, to slow, you know, having to ease himself into it. Uh the the biggest takeaway with him is going back to the kind of player he was before he suffered that injury uh in 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 when 2021. uh, 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 in, in the playoffs even, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, because if they get Larry Ogan Joby, uh, that played through the bulk of that 2021 season, oh boy, you know, uh, that's, that's, that's definitely the guy, they are hoping that that's the guy that they got. And if they do, well, that defense is going to be even better. So, yeah, look, I I, I like it for, you know, I, it's not like he hasn't broken out before, right? Uh, right, but I'm
1: saying like in Pittsburgh, right. taking the step from last year.
0: Right, uh, I, I, I'm with you. I, I think this guy is going to be a huge key to what the Steelers maybe want to accomplish in that, in that front uh, of their defense.
1: How about Najee Harris? Big year three for him. I mean, the pieces are in place. The offensive line is better. The offense is more stable. It's a clearer vision. Quarterback situations taken care of. Uh, There's every reason to believe that Najee Harris can and should succeed. And if he doesn't, then you're really going to have questions about his long term future in Pittsburgh.
0: Yeah look and when it comes to him a stay on the field stay healthy I want to see you know I'm I'm not so I I think of, I I think a byproduct of him being healthy and, and 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 getting the touches and and playing behind that offensive line might produce another one two two explosive runs, but I'm looking for those six and seven yard runs uh, uh, for him uh, as a huge measuring stick. want to see the uh, uh, success rate, obviously uh, 55% or higher on his runs there. And then obviously in the red zone, you know, scoring those, you know, uh, uh, put putting the ball in the end zone there. So uh, I think, you know, in totality, when you look for total yards from scrimmage, you know, obviously you want to see his best year ever when it comes to that. I, I think it's, it, you know, 1200 rushing yards and, you know, three, 400 receiving yards isn't out of the question. Uh, but yeah, I think we'll know uh, a, a, a very productive, a, a quote unquote breakout season uh, for Najee Harris when, when we see it. And once again, I, I'm I'm hesitant to predict a huge increase of any explosive runs because that just had mm-hmm. I got to see those because he didn't sure. have he didn't have a high percentage in college uh one of the main knocks I had on him coming out of Alabama was that explosive play rate but within that he can help make up for that with those 6 and 7 yard runs.
1: I know it's not your favorite stat but if you had to guess what Najee Harris's yards per carry is going to be in 2023, or what it should be, what you hope that it is, what number would that be? He's been at 3.9 and 3.8 his first two years in the NFL.
0: Yeah, get it anywhere over four. I mean, 4.1, 4.2 as a byproduct you maybe know, maybe may a tad bit higher if he's got the the amount of 6 or 7 yard runs in there. I hope that he has and he limits the you know obviously the uh the the lost yardage stuff there but more than anything, you know, if you need third and 1, give me give me give me at least 1 yard. Yeah, uh,
1: the success if, rate aspect.
0: Uh yeah. you know, if it's third if it's second and uh if it's second and 6 give me give get me, get, get me the the, uh, the 60% needed there, you know, that 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 kind of thing there. So I'm going to be hyper-focused more on his successful run rate uh, more than anything else when it comes to this season.
1: Sure, I understand. But, you know, my my thought is at, at 4.0 at the minimum, but I would like it to be 4.3. If it is, you know, 4.3, 4.4, odds are his success rate is going to be pretty high, you know, if his yards per carry is increased by a half yard.
0: All right. Fair enough.
1: Last one on my list here is Demonte Casey. So there's been a lot of second year Steelers on this list. And Casey, one of them, um, similar boat, you know, getting hurt last year, breaking his arm in the preseason finale, missing the first half of the year, coming back after the bye, making an impact in dime packages, you know, picking off Deshaun Watson in the finale, a guy that could be a chess piece that's going to allow Minka to rotate. And again, just full year in the system. Um, I think it's going to do him a lot of good and he should have a role again in dime packages.
0: Look, I you know we this a guy we was very excited about uh, uh going into that last preseason game last year when he got hurt, right? And then uh ha- had to miss uh first half of the season due to that injury and 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 that suspension that he had. Uh it, you know, it, it his return coincided with that of uh TJ Watts. Uh, so it is a little bit of an asterisk within that, but I, I thought he played very, very well when he got back on the field. I thought the whole defense, really, uh, and for obvious reasons, getting getting Watt back and then obviously uh, uh, getting him back on the field there. But uh, he is a guy I am super excited about uh, uh, coming out of the chute and being able to to start a season in that defense. There, uh, it's going to be interesting. We've talked several times how they're going to use these safeties you know, Mm. uh, because obviously he's more free safety than he is strong safety. Right.
1: Right. I mean, he plays bigger than his size, but yeah, he's not going to be a box guy. I mean, he's going to be, you know, free safety. You mentioned, I think, even slot corner. I mean, he's got the background there Mm -hmm. years ago, but you talk about that slot corner mix. It doesn't sound like he's going to get that first crack at it, but you never know what could happen. Midseason injuries performance where maybe he gets additional looks.
0: What could a what could a big big you know big safety group look like in certain situations with with, with this team?
1: You know, i thought about that some. I was gonna write something kind of mapping out what the dime package looks like. We can try to do it now. So Wallace, Peterson, Porter as your corners, and then for your three safeties, Fitzpatrick, Casey. I I guess Keanu Neal could come down. I mean, Edmonds was playing a lot in kind of a dimebacker role in those dime packages last year. So that's, I guess, that's my first thought. Yeah, yeah. Minka, Casey, and Neal as your three safeties. And then Porter, Wallace, Peterson as your three corners is my my first thought.
0: All right. Because you get uh, one in a box guy in in Neal, right? Um,
1: Yeah. I mean, that's what Edmonds was doing most of the time in passing downs last year.
0: And generally, when do they like to uh, roll that out?
1: Third and six plus, or you know, obvious pass situations, end the half, end the game. That's usually when they go dime package.
0: You know, could we see a situation where Neil's more uh, of, of of the 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 first and ten, uh, second safety on the field?
1: Sure. I think of the 60Bs I mentioned, Neal's the least likely to have a rolling dime. But if he's off the field, who does he get replaced with? Trice? Somebody else?
0: Yeah, probably too early. or You know, just not, yeah, not early in the, the season. season. Yeah.
1: Uh, or, you know, Sullivan and they had Peterson do some more safety stuff. Obviously, again, there's going to be coverage rotations. I'm not saying that's going to be, you know, we're just saying the personnel, not talking about where they're going to align and rotations and all that kind of stuff, but work in progress for sure, because there are a lot of new, new, new pieces, new faces with this group.
0: I, I think an interesting aspect is what kind of rotations, you know, uh, with maybe the versatility we've, we've talked about how, how versatile Peterson might be, uh, uh situations when your two safeties out there might be Minka and, neil but obviously peterson's on the field what kind of how creative can you get with the rotations to make sure you're getting minka sne- sneaking down and robbing
1: yeah that's fair and that's where i think you're gonna miss a lot of what cam sutton brought but we'll just have to see exactly how they deploy peterson you can certainly do some of those inversions and post snap rotations um but I'm not entirely sure how it's going to look until I start seeing it in action, because there is a fair amount of unknown with that group.
0: Uh, I'll tell you what, uh, that's about that second preseason game uh, uh, from the tackling aspect alone. uh, I I was, I was a huge Casey uh, believer. And uh, obviously once he got back on the field, second half of that season. And uh, I, you know, I, I, I am bullish on, the kind of season I, I'm with you. Uh I'm bullish on the kind of season that he can have in two thousand twenty-three. And that not necessarily mean he has to play, you know, eighty percent of the snaps.
1: Right. I mean he, he won't barring injury, but he'll have a very important, I think, uh, niche role. So that and, is my... and
0: God forbid he gives you at least a, a decent alternative. God forbid something should happen to Minka.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean he's your backup free safety for sure. Norwood is very much an unknown. He's trying to make the team, but but Casey is your backup free safety. So, they right, to finish... I, I,
0: look, I think those four... Who would have been... My question became, mm. once I read that, is if that would have been the top five, who would have been number five?
1: I'm not sure. I was intentionally excluding, and I should have mentioned this at the top because I'm sure people are yelling, I intentionally excluded second-year players like George Pickens, like Kenny Pickett, Jalen Warren, because... Fair that's you expect second year guys to make the leap when they're just in the NFL in general. Um so excluding those guys, I don't know. I'm trying to do you have any suggestions for who that guy would be?
0: who's who's a carryover that would have been a second year in Pittsburgh guy? Is there any?
1: Uh I mean that's the I mean a Mason Cole, you know, but I don't know if he's gonna I don't know if his place gonna elevate tremendously right. if he I mean if he's healthy and not playing on one leg like he did last year, that's going to help. Uh, I mean, last year felt easier, and Alex Highsmith was like a fish in a barrel. You know, a guy uh-huh. you know, had a shot to break out. I wasn't sure what that fist guy would be um, for Pittsburgh. All
0: right. Uh, good, good, good post, and I'm, I'm on board with all four of the selections there.
1: Good. Ones. Someone did mention Allen Robinson. I think Falcon safety in the comments. Um, I don't know if he's going to break out. I think he'll have a steady, solid year. I don't know if I would classify it as a breakout kind of season though okay all right dave we'll finish things up with your 90 and 30 and where do we leave off last with hayward highsmith and holcomb i believe
0: that sounds right right
1: well uh we'll go roll, with that
0: we'll have to roll through some of these real real quick uh uh let's roll through maybe uh where did we say we left off uh should be,
1: we should be on jason huntley deontay johnson broderick jones so let's start there with Jason Huntley, Jonathan Hytrader wrote an article yesterday arguing uh, or making the case of why Huntley should be in that you know third running back uh, battle. And he should be. I just think it's more plausible. One of the other guys gets that hat.
0: Yeah. Huntley's a low on her size as well, too. Right. So five foot eight uh, and a quarter hundred. A little bulkier, though. Uh, there. Uh, look, whoever that number three guy ends up being is probably going to have to uh, do something on special teams. And I think Huntley, some of his asset, uh, you know, limited asset to date on special teams has been as a kick returner over, overall. There, uh, just his overall size though makes it kind of, makes you kind of wonder if he's going to get out be able to get out there on any other special teams other than maybe a, a, as a kick returner. There, uh, there's a quite we've already mentioned the, the the younger running backs that are battling for spots there. It it feels like uh uh it feels like Huntley is going to be a make the 53 or you know be an afterthought because you know even at practice squad it looks like kind of a tough road for him uh overall there. I mean it's not unthinkable. Uh, push comes to shove. I don't see him making a 53 man roster. And I kind of less than 50 percent chance of even making a practice squad
1: to his credit. He was on the practice squad for basically all of last Mm. year. And so he's got some experience that some of the rookies like Graham and Hagens do not have. And so we'll see. I mean, you know, McFarland's not big. uh, Graham's not big. Higgins is bigger and bulkier, but none of them are, you know, Benny Snell, you know, built. So it's not like there's another huge back they're competing with right now. Right. All right, Deontay Johnson, know his story well. Last year difficult, frustrating, set the NFL record for most single season receptions without a touchdown, looking to break that streak very early in 2023. Um, you know, issues with him, issues with scheme. Everybody hoping for a bounce back all the way around.
0: Look, got to get the football to him out in space better where he can run and run not backwards after after the catch. Uh, Obviously, you want to see him kind of get a firmer grasp on 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 his drops. And hopefully they don't, you know, they seem to come in bunches sometimes with him uh, Mm -hmm. and and, and all. Uh, He's a type of guy I think you want to get him involved earlier in games. Uh, but it, with, with, with Deontay, it's, uh, catching the football, uh, running with the football after the catch and
1: forward. running, for, for, running for, forward,
0: forward, uh, after the catch with the football, uh, got to see that yak get back to, uh, with well, the whole team overall, got to see the yak increase here and then got to get in the end zone. Uh gotta gotta break that nasty streak uh that 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 he's got going at all. Uh I think realistically four, five, six touchdowns for him in 2023. But uh uh I think you know he's I think he's gonna get his catches. I'm not convinced that he's gonna have a hundred uh catch one thousand yard season, uh to be quite honest with you, but I think he can threaten both of those numbers overall. But uh yak and 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 uh uh Uh, limiting the drops are the two biggest things when it comes to him.
1: Right. And as you said, he's a guy that gets in slumps. He stacks bad plays, just has to mentally bounce back. And that can be tough for sure, especially as you hear criticism or feel criticism and and know it's coming. But I think that's kind of always been his issue is that when, when it's good, it's really good. The guy makes some high level type plays. He's an extremely hard worker, a really talented receiver. His hands are better than you think. His issue with drops have been concentration and focus-based. His hands itself are not bad. He makes them unbelievably. That catch against the Bengals last year, it got overshadowed by the Pickens catch against the Browns, but that, was, that would have been one of the catches of the year had it not been for Pickens making that play two weeks later. So just want to put that in perspective. But yeah, I think a bounce back here will come for Deontay Johnson. And Broderick Jones, the rookie first-round pick. Pittsburgh trading up for him. Of course, the big battle of the summer of camp will be him versus Stanmore Jr., what do you think the number one thing Jones has to do to win the job other than being healthy and staying healthy? What does he have to do to knock off Dan Moore jr?
0: Oh, what does that look like? Uh, or,
1: or a couple things or just what, do, what does he have to do? Maybe more broadly to win the job.
0: I think he's just got to learn the scheme and, and, and uh, you know, maybe, maybe get a little bit faster with those hands.
1: I'm with you. Yeah, I think just getting Meyer system down hand,
0: hand level more than anything. And not that he doesn't have fast hands. I think just hand initial hand level uh, is one of the biggest things that stuck out in his tape uh, overall. I mean, he's obviously good out in space and, you know, you just got to learn, learn the system and and get used to uh, the NFL speed. Yeah.
1: Eliminate mental mistakes. And I think, yeah, uh, he's his first punch. He's got the length that Pat Meyer wants. So he should be able to make that first significant contact early. That'll be the key for him. Um, So I think that, you know, and just dealing with some of the speed to the outside in the NFL, you got some really, you know, fast, bendy pass rushers. And I'm not saying Jones can't handle that, but it is something to adjust to.
0: Right. Uh, look, he's going to start at some point. You know, at left tackle, is it going to be week one? Is it going to be week four? Is it going to be week six? You know, he's going he's going to start at some point.
1: All right, uh, Dave. Moving on now to Manny Jones. He was an off season. I think he was a waiver claim from Arizona. I I think he's going to be more interior D line, but he's a bit of a tweener type, and so I want to get eyes on him and, and see where he's lining up.
0: Yeah, he's got a tough road, doesn't he? And really, mm-hmm. the only reason he's on the roster, I think, at this point was claimed because of what happened to Rennell Wren uh, with, with that injury right. there. Uh, a lot has got to happen for her uh, and not good uh, for Manny Jones to make this 53-man roster. So I think he's a guy. Uh, he is c- kind of that build that that he has. uh Makes it kind of wonder where he fits and what exactly does he do well, you know. Uh mm-hmm. uh, I think best case scenario with him is practice squad. And even that kind of feels iffy as we sit here right now.
1: I'm with you. DeMonte Casey just mentioned him, not really All much right. else to talk about, but dime package player um should be a a chess piece, help unlock and move around Minka Fitzpatrick. So he, you know, is he the new Cam Sutton? Maybe not overall, but I think in in those sub-package moments, he really could be doing a lot of what Cam Sutton did last year. All right. And Miles Killebrew, uh, special teams ace two block punts two years ago. Quieter last year, but still strong, steady play. Um, Probably be a captain. You know, will he replace Marcus Allen as the personal protector? That seems like a possibility. That may be his path to securing his roster spots, becoming the PP. So uh, that's going to be, you know, his path is really unchanged. It's just kind of trying to cement in that roster spot.
0: Yeah, not a guy that offers you much as far as a defensive player, but but could be a break glass in case of emergency. You know, you just hope that you don't get in situations where Miles Kilbrew has to see the field on defense. To me, when Miles Krick Kilbrew, it's special teams captain or bust. Uh, because if he doesn't get special teams captain, then it means he's probably not making a roster. <laughs> Okay, I see what you're saying. Uh, you know, uh, w- when it comes to that aspect of it, there. So, uh, a g- great guy off the field. You see all the stuff on social media that, you know, he's a, he's a, he does, you know, he fits the Steelers organization great, but he's a special teams player and a special teams captain or bust for him.
1: All right. I'm with you there. Moving on now to Christian Kuntz, speaking of special teams and specialists. He's been the Steelers starting long snapper each of the last two years. We'll get a push this summer from Rex Sunahara, just signed by Pittsburgh. And it's just, you know, the snaps can be a little bit more consistent. You know, didn't grade out well last year. I thought Presley Harvin bailed him out a couple of times, but, you know, a guy that's got a really interesting story, former outside linebacker, turned long snapper, and making the team, beating out Cameron Kennedy a few years ago. So, not counting this guy out, but there will be some competition this summer.
0: Yeah, long snapper or bust. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, that's why they pay us the, the the big bucks for the analysis. There, look, God, uh, this is a situation like with the punter. I, I I think gonna be a gonna be interesting to watch play out, and b whoever wins the job better be consistent, or else they might be looking for work.
1: Yep, I'm with you. That makes a lot of sense, uh, Nick Kwiatkowski. Another recent signing, he came along with Sunahara uh, late or midway through last month. Veteran guy, local Pittsburgh guy, experienced off-ball linebacker depth and special teams. I think Jonathan said it well. Kind of the the new age, Robert Spillane, although Kwiatkowski probably won't have the defensive role that Spillane grew into last year, but just in terms of like salt of the earth kind of guy, special teamer. That's going to be Nick Witowski.
0: Yeah, he didn't even play a defensive snap, I don't think, last year for for Atlanta. Right. Uh, played well over, I think, 200 uh, special team snaps for him. It's been a couple of years since he's even, you know, taken a a, a defensive snap. So uh, he's going he's going to have to secure a core special teams. You know, when you talk about those backup inside linebackers, and are they going to keep four? Are they going to keep five? uh that you know that's obviously yet to be determined there but uh, if he makes the team it's going to be with the emphasis on him being a core special teams guy
1: and demarvin leal which we've talked about many many times this offseason, season the whole what is he it would seem like he would play more d-line than outside linebacker after marcus golden was signed and nick herbig was drafted um but it felt like an OTA's in OTAs and some of the clips that i saw he was doing a bit of both and so Khans expressed a desire to utilize his versatility. I'm still not sure what the plan is for him or his weight or anything, but I'll get eyes and camp and report back.
0: Yeah. The uh, big, the biggest question mark, one of the bigger question marks we had at of this off season, how can you get him on the field, especially as a defensive lineman? And we're going to, uh, hopefully we're going to learn a lot about what he is and isn't during training camp in the preseason. And most definitely by the end of the 2023 season.
1: I still think for him, sub package pass rusher as an interior defense alignment, three tech, and then early down rotational stand up outside linebacker would be his path would be best for him. I know getting some of those early down outside linebacker snaps will be a bit tougher to do, but there would be some, I think there, if you called him a de facto number four outside linebacker, that guy does play a little bit, roughly seven to 10 snaps per game. And so if you got you know, Leal, let's call it seven snaps at outside linebacker. You get him, you know, 15 to 20 in your sub packages. I mean, he's playing about 30 snaps a game. That sounds right to me.
0: I mean, I don't want to see him at outside linebacker anymore. <laughs> you don't? <laughs> no. Nah. Why is that? I, I just, I mean, there's no need for it. I don't think. You know, with, with, with the way you have this depth chart and all now, if everybody stays healthy,
1: I mean, the, the number four outside backer does play a little bit defensively, like, you know, Jameer, J- excuse me, Jameer Jones early last year was playing a little bit. It's not a lot, but there's a couple snaps there for that guy. I think he's interesting with the size because he's a big guy that can match up against some of these, you know, equally big tackles.
0: At least it won't be foreign to him, uh, but I, you know, I'm, I'm not looking forward to seeing a lot of snaps with him out on the edge like that.
1: My other concern there is like, do you trust him to play run defense as a base defensive end?
0: Yeah, we're going to find out.
1: I just don't think he's ever had that. That's never been his game, you know, and and again, his weight was lower at A&M, and so he might be heavier, but if they're going to have him kind of be a bit of that tweener trying to play base, you know, run defense, I think it's going to be going to be tough for him if he's kind of more interior taking taking on double teams and dealing with guards.
0: Well, he's a better pass rusher coming out of college than he was a run defender.
1: Yeah, he was for sure. I think, you know, the the offseason review that I did on him, was I thought in the preseason, he showed a bunch of moves. His hand use was pretty refined. I thought in season, it kind of went away. And he was leaning on guys and bull rushing too much and not really being effective with his pass rush moves or his pass rush plan. Again, last year was tough. Changing positions, he got hurt. aniscus issue out for five weeks, whatever it was. So that he had a lot of stuff to deal with last year. So that's a guy certainly that you can hopefully kind of, you know, start fresh in 2023.
0: Well, as I wrote in the, in, in the 90 and 30 series, his head had to be spinning. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know, Insane. And, for, and, and it's, it's a compliment to him that they had to trust in him to do what they did, especially in those final two games and all, and especially missing the time that he did and the whole moving train and all like that. Uh, it had to be a whirlwind uh, 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 rookie season for him uh, just on a week to week basis, even on him. So I'm excited to what a a week, uh, what a year two season may or may not look like for him, and if there is a jump, what that jump looks like.
1: I just hope there's more definition with his plan. I don't want him to be Sean Davis 2.0, a really good athlete that is kind of gets bumped around too much, never gets work at one spot, and never really becomes anything because he just is constantly moving around and trying to play the whole dang playbook. Okay. All right, a couple more here to round things out. Isaiah Loudomoke, defense alignment, a bubble guy to me. Second year was disappointing. Run defense has been underwhelming. Pass rush has never been there. I don't think it will be there, but talking about base ends and who can rotate in for Cam Hayward and give yourself some depth with Chris Wormley gone, Loudomoke can hopefully be one of those guys, but has to prove he can be one of those guys.
0: I think if we've seen any improvement with him from the day he was drafted, it's related, <clears throat> excuse me, to his run defense. Uh, yeah. Uh, That's it. Uh, Very robotic as a pass rusher. Uh, Really, the only move I think that he had coming out of college was kind of that push-pull, right, Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, with him. Uh, It seems like he's prime practice squad material this summer.
1: Okay, so... That's a disappointment though. If he's two years on the 53, then sure. practice squad, do you even keep him at that point? Do you say, hey, you know, if you're if you're regressing like that, then we're just gonna go find somebody else.
0: It could happen that way.
1: But if it if he doesn't make it, who are your backup base ends? If Lademook's removed from that, Watts, Lealish, as yeah. we kind of talked about. You know, one guy we'll mention here, Jonathan Marshall, you know, but could potentially be in that mix as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, and how many are you gonna keep? You know, six
1: or seven. Yeah, it's usually six. Um, but we'll we'll kind of figure out those numbers. Even you know, if he what,
0: makes the fifty-three man roster, he could be an inactive.
1: Right. There's usually one guy that is. So I think that that's certainly fair. Uh we'll see though. It's a big year three for Isaiah Latimok. Braden man, a punter battle with Presley Harvin the third. Uh mentioned him, I think, on the live stream that he's a pretty similar story to Harvin. Big legs. Ray guy award winners in college, inconsistent man can do kickoffs though. That'll give him maybe a slight advantage, but it'll be a true punter battle between him and uh, Presley Harvin.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, just duplicate carbon copy what we were talking about Harvin the other day when we ran him down in, in, in this series here, uh, both, both those guys, big legs, both guys, inconsistent, uh, Man gives you that kickoff element, whereas maybe Harvin, not so much, but Harvin can probably seems like uh, has 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 developed better as a holder. So there's mm-hmm. some some trade-offs there. Once again, when it comes down to the punter situation, whoever wins this uh, better stay consistent, or they might be looking for work.
1: And it'll be really what those guys do inside stadiums in the preseason. It's really hard to evaluate punters in camp there. You know, we'll be timing it. We'll be tracking it, but no rush, low key environment. It's really not. No one's winning their job in in uh, Latrobe. All right. And finally, Jonathan Marshall just mentioned him when I talk when you're talking about that uh, defensive line situation. He was a late ad last year. Thought he might play, never even dressed. I don't believe for Pittsburgh, never played a snap, and so he's back. Um, you know, full off season that'll help. He'll be one of those guys that maybe a little bit of a sleeper, somebody that that could capture a 53 man roster spot that really no one is talking about right now.
0: Yeah, not a lot of NFL experience, so we uh, uh, even with the Jets played in four total games, uh, two. Two tackles in the quarterback kit, uh 76 defensive snaps overall in those four games, uh, with one more coming on special teams, uh more interior guy, obviously, I think overall than 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 moving them out away from the B gap. You got a couple of these guys on the roster. That's gonna make it hard uh for him. Uh once again, he uh I might give him slightly better odds than than then uh louder milk when it comes to 53 but uh if it really feels like practice squad or bust for him overall and even if he did make the 53 man roster you're looking at a guy that could be inactive
1: i say this a little tongue-in-cheek but somebody's got to become a backup defense alignment on this team you know i mean i know again watson i think benton's got some versatility but i think he'll be primarily Fahol- a nose to start. yeah but he's a nose like he's right. not playing playing out i think we- I, I,
0: I, I think they view Watts as a guy that's more universal within yeah. that front.
1: I think so too. So he might be your top backup. He might be kind of your new, new Warmly type of guy. Right. All right, Dave. That wraps up this edition of Ninety and Thirty. We'll come back on oh, what is today. I, I the, you and me, I know that the days are. I don't even know what days are anymore. We're in yeah. the real off, off season. Come back on Friday with the other. Uh, the next batch of 90 and 30s. Anything else you want to talk about or we can get to some reader emails and close out today's show.
0: All right, uh, let's get to some emails from Kane22. With AI showing up in more fields every day, do you think it could ever be used for play calling? Plug in the opponent down the distance and it gives you the highest percentage play to run. If I was Matt Canada, I think chat GPT would be my new best friend. Can't do anything worse. Love the show as always. You guys are a fun distraction from the real world. All right, thank you for that. Uh, look, I yelled the, uh can, will AI and 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 advanced analytics, as those obviously progress together, uh, help you in? I wouldn't say play to play, and it might get to a point where you just plug it in, and it's like playing a video game.
1: I think it's what he's <laughs> suggesting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, do you know if this, then that, and then? But on the other side, you're going to have the defensive AI saying, trying to outthink, you know, uh, a battle of AI. Uh, uh, I think AI has its benefits across the board in everything, but within that, AI is still technically in more of its early stages here. But I think. Look, I, I think you'd be silly not to explore the benefits that you can get from AI. How's that?
1: Sure. And teams already are and will continue to do so, but he's taking it to the the extreme end of will it basically be a coach? Will AI become your play caller? And maybe. I mean I logically it's, it's
0: scary to think about right. really we you and i've had uh, a lot of ai discussions over the last mm-hmm. three or four months just in general and all like that uh uh i think it's it's it is a tool and will become more of a tool you know in in every aspect and
1: but will uh, it be the thing cuz the suggestion is it won't just be an, an, an asset it'll be I think it'll be a force. suggestion
0: I think I, I think you will have uh, coordinators up in boxes using that as a suggestion tool
1: okay yeah I think these, I think are, the top, definitely get these there.
0: are the top three plays okay they rolled out uh, their sub package with because it'll instantly be able to read not only what the personnel grouping is out there on the field on defense but who those players are you know. At some sure. point, right? Oh, I'm uh, sure they
1: can input that, yeah.
0: And, and, I mean, it'll be instantaneous just because it'll be able to pick it up from a camera view, right?
1: Probably, yeah. I, I'm sure the, the possibilities seem limitless with, with this kind of stuff.
0: So it's going to instantly see a team's defensive sub package go out there. It's going to know who those guys are, all 11. And it's going to instantly be able to say, these are the three plays in your playbook that are be- because of down distance everything that you, sh- you you that that you should and it rank those things 1 2 or 3 uh, because of and along with your personnel that you you have available to you so uh, it's scary to think about kane <laughs> it is. Uh, uh, but i i i think it is i think your question is a very good one I don't have a great answer, other than to say I think it will become more prevalent in some way, shape, or form of this, and it's scary, think, and it's scary as hell to think about.
1: I think the only concern is, and I know the technology will, of course, get better and better. Will it be fast enough to spit some of that stuff out? I, I, I think right, it
0: will be. I think, I, think unequiv- I don't think right now it is, but right. I this thing is progress. Man, have you seen some of these these tools that are coming up i mean so fast with this ai stuff and data and i mean it's my it 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 both both fascinates me and scares the living hell out of <laughs> me uh i'm 55 i'm i'm already 55 going on 85 just in what i am in my life you know what yeah, i've I hear done you
1: shaking your fist sure at clouds right now
0: sure but i mean it, it is ex- both exciting and scary within that so i mean you know how fast can it I, I think that it's going to come to a situation sooner rather than later where it is reading a personnel group and coming onto the field with, with these 11 players. Uh, your, your playbook's already plugged into it, uh, and it's going to tell you, these are the three plays I think you should run.
1: Yeah. I mean, nothing would surprise me at this point. And, and again, the, te- the technology right now is pretty good. Imagine what what it's going to be five years, 10 years, 20 years from now. I mean, it's going to be stuff we probably can't even comprehend right now.
0: And look, it's going to help with the analyzation of games of what we do, because you'll be able to instant. You already see some of this with uh, uh, with with our data and all like that. Uh, what it's going to be able to do is uh, you're going to be able to plug in the all 22. It's going to tell you the coverage that they ran. Uh, if indeed there was a bus, it's going to help in grading players uh, overall. Uh, uh, you know, of, of what they think the play, you know, based on what an offense run, did, did this guy do his job correctly? You know uh, sure. that, that kind of thing. So even the analysis uh, of, of the games is going to, start clicking up light years ahead quickly as well, too. So it, it once again, it's all fascinating and scary in the same breath.
1: Looking forward to cryogenic head Bill Belichick coaching the New England Patriots I, I, in the year 2200 and still uh, winning Super Bowls. I'm sure that's going to happen.
0: Uh, Eric Fort writes in, Dave and I, you've talked extensively about the likelihood of Kevin Dotson being traded before the start of regular season. He says, what about DeMarvin Leal? He says several factors. A, there's no reason to think his stock has dropped significantly from where it was pre-jab, and his value could still be decently high to a team on which he'd be a better fit. B, as you guys have noted, we still don't really know what his role on this team is, and the moves they made this offseason indicate the Steelers might not know either. C, he was drafted by Colbert. Appreciate all the excellent work you guys have done keeping us informed this offseason, Eric. Another great question. I I I see where you're coming from, Eric. Uh, but for them to already part, look, the, the Chase Claypool thing was multi layered. Uh, I I think, uh, and even so, we're talking about a second second year player here overall. I I, it, I would be shocked if Leal has dealt this offseason now. Let's see who he is in year two and what it, what he can and can't do and how they intend to use him you know are we talking about a guy that could be traded in a situation like Claypool you know uh, over a year from now I, I my initial reaction would be no because either he's going to come on as a second year player or he's not and, and then if he comes on he's going to have value to you and if he doesn't, a lot of the other teams are going to sit there wondering well can we really use him either? You know, mm-hmm. that that kind of thing. So uh I, I see where he's coming from. I don't think DeMarvin Leal is a legitimate trade candidate this offseason.
1: Yeah, I don't think either. Uh Second year guy, third round pick. No, con didn't draft him. But Tomlin, you know, was part of that decision whenever, you know, Leal was the pick. So we'll see how it looks this year. Maybe something to talk about next year. But I think they want him. We're still trying accent.
0: to find out who the hell he is, to be honest yeah, with you. I, I know I am.
1: I think that's his point, though, is if Liao doesn't have a home, you know, like Claypool was traded in part because he really had no home in Pittsburgh. He was no no longer the outside guy that they wanted. He was definitely not a slot receiver. You deal him, he really didn't have a fit. Liao could be in that spot, but that's going to be a next year thing than than a later this summer kind of thing.
0: All right, uh, Dave writes in, hey guys, long time listener, first time email. I appreciate you both getting me through to work uh, from home days every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Figured this is a good time of year to look back at your personal expectations from the type of players this Tito's rookie class could be and how you feel about them uh, coming out of year one. For example, I know neither of you were super high on Kenny going into the draft. Do you feel better about the kind of player he can be now versus how you felt back then? Same question for Pickens, Leal, Hayward, Robinson. Obviously, injured players are not available, and Jalen Warren has far exceeded expectation. All right. Uh, first and foremost, very comfortable. I'm very comfortable with with uh, late season Kenny uh, Pickett, and I think we've talked ex- a lot, and Alex has a video of of, 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 of uh, steps, you know, Pickett made and all like that. Obviously, uh, when it comes to Pickett, and his second year jump, we should be able to see it, feel it, taste it, every, everything about it, you know, uh, when it comes to that. Uh, you know, there's not too much more to add about Pickett than what we've already talked about since coming out of his, his rookie season, right?
1: Right. I'm encouraged. You know, do I feel better now than where I was at before?
0: The, yeah, big, the biggest coming. thing I had with him was kind of footwork and arm arm strength coming out.
1: Right. I just wondered where that ceiling was at. And I'm still not sure where that ceiling resides. Which I think that's what makes this year pretty, pretty important for him. Um, but I would say overall, I'm optimistic about this draft class and the impact that, you know, George Pickens looks, looks like a stud Mark Robinson. I'm intrigued by, I think Connor Hayward can have a versatile role in Pittsburgh and stick. Um, I think overall the class looks good.
0: I think, you know, I'll roll through them real quick. Pickens, uh, It was who we thought he would be coming out of Georgia and going into his second year. He's having the the steps he needs to take are steps that I I think you and I both agreed we thought he might have to take even going into his rookie season was becoming a more nuanced route runner uh, being Uh, because look, we, we, we've seen the catches, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the type catches, the body control, all the things that, uh, we, we saw in Georgia there. The biggest question was he was inexperienced coming out of Georgia, especially with the route running, the strides that he's going to make in 2023 are going to be related to his route running. So I think of all the guys on this list, Pickens really has been more of the guy that we thought he was coming out of Georgia, uh, Liao. We're still trying to figure him out. We've said that since, you know, middle of last season, trying to figure out who he is. Connor Hayward, I will say this about Connor Hayward. Uh, uh, A better special teams player than than I thought uh, he might be initially. Uh, uh, I, I think he made strides, especially in the split zone type blocking and all that he was asked to do. He's an undersized player. There's only so much that you can ask him to do in in that category, but I was encouraged with the effort and, and the understanding of how he had to block in those situations. And then look, I mean, great, uh, even better hands than what I saw initially on, on, on the Michigan state uh, tape with him. So I, I think it's been really more of a pleasant surprise with, 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 with Connor Hayward uh, coming out. Uh uh, Mark Robinson. Alex is a lot higher on Mark Robinson. I I like Mark Robinson. I just as another player, I haven't seen enough of him, you know, o- sure. o- overall. That's where I'm at with Mark Robinson. I, I just I need to see more of him.
1: Yeah, I do, too. I just see some of the traits and tools and what he could be um, with some more time and kind of how young he is to the NFL and to his position. So. Yeah, I think I'm more encouraged by by Pickett a little bit, certainly by Pickens, by Hayward, by Robinson. Uh, Austin's obviously, you know, who knows? And Liao probably a little bit more concerned by, because I'm a year in and I don't really feel like I have a better grasp on how he works in this, this defense, um, you know, compared to a year ago when I had those same questions.
0: All right. Oh, I want to get one more because it's pretty passionate here from Craig Sampson here. Dave and Alex, long email, but, but hear me out. Great offseason shows. Uh, But I have to vent. He says, I keep hearing people say this offense led by Kenny Pickett's not going to be a high flying offense like the Bengals, KC and the Bills. And he says, I agree. What I don't understand is what the Steelers are doing here. What are we trying to accomplish if we can't keep up with the offenses? Why did why did we draft Kenny Pickett knowing that would be the case? Okay, let's try to get one playoff win, but let's be real. One playoff win won't translate to improvement. The next year, he says, Pittsburgh isn't Cleveland. We're a playoff win or even two is a huge accomplishment. He says, I know we want to play bully ball, but let's be honest, we cannot rely on defense to get takeaways every game while the other team uh, score 30 plus points. So what is the plan? Hope someone gets a forced fumble or interception and we take 25 plays to get uh, to a touchdown. Also, he says, I also don't think Najee is that guy. He's all right and sure as hell won't lead us to scoring points. Uh, Just frustrated because if we all agree that Kenny Pickett is not even close to Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, or even Herbert, then what was the point of drafting him? Is this another Neil O'Donnell situation? So I guess my uh, uh, question for you guys is, what do you think the Steelers were thinking? Also, just for fun, redraft from 2021 to 2022. Could have, would have, should have, but uh, should have taken Creed and Pat in 2021, Devin Lloyd and Pickens and Damian Pierce in 2022, uh, blah, 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 blah. All right. I'm not, we don't have time to touch the whole redraft thing here. Uh, I want to go into some of the bulk of your email here real quick. Uh, Keeping up with high flying offenses. The, the, the statement there, first and foremost, the Steelers have to keep up with only one offense every week. And that's the one that they're playing. Right. Plain and simple. Uh, I don't concern myself what with what Casey and the Bengals and the Bills do when they're not playing playing the steel. I mean, I do, sure. but, I, but I— But you're
1: going to see them at some point if you want to become a Super Bowl team. You're going to encounter one of those teams.
0: Sure, sure. I get that, but you've got to get to that. you got to get to the playoffs first, all right? So uh, what I care about, first and foremost, is keeping up with the team uh, that—I the steel, I get the overall— uh, emphasis here, but I, I think he's trying to go too big picture here in year two with, 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 Kenny Pickett. He says, uh, what are we, what are we trying to accomplish with, with, with Kenny Pickett? Uh, look, go back to Ben Roethlisberger's first two years in, in the league and look what the emphasis there uh, was. Uh, you want to develop your quarterback. You want to see your quarterback take the next step in year two. Uh you know, is that 18 touchdowns? Once again, I think people put too much emphasis on the yardage and the touchdown passes with Kenny Pickett in year two. I'm more worried about the, him not getting sacked and not turning the football over personally. Uh, because if they do the other things that they want to do, run the football and play good defense, the rest is going to take take care of itself. Um, he's, you know, get... get he says we cannot rely on defense to get takeaways every game while the other team scores 30 plus points. I think you can, I, I, you know, this team's going to, if this team does anything in 2023, it's going to be a lot related to the defense, right?
1: It will be, but hopefully the offense is pulling more of its weight. It needs to this year.
0: I, 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 you know, and look, I mean, I, I get his Najee concerns and all like that, but you know, if you, you know, Najee's going to have have to play a part and be able to run behind the line. You know, I, I don't think there's going to be a lot of explosive plays in there, but I think when you get in the red zone, uh, low red zone, Najee can get the touchdowns for you there. Uh, what What is this Steelers team trying to do in 2023? If you sat Mike Tomlin down and Omar Khan down right now, they're going to emphatically tell you they have built this team because they think they can make a run at Super Bowl, and Super Bowl is the goal.
1: Right, but we had a conversation, and it's been ongoing, about do we really think the model Pittsburgh's building can win a Super Bowl? And we were both did pretty this year, concerned about that. This
0: year or beyond? Did, right,
1: this, this year did. or beyond.
0: Uh, this year I think it's in, I think it's incredibly tough. I think it's incredible. Right. But even long
1: term are they are they built for a low scoring team that's going to try to grind these games out, run the ball At some point
0: Kenny Pickett will need to make that jump into the upper the upper echelon.
1: Right. Um what my thought has been the Steelers want to be the 49ers of the East and they want to be a team that plays great defense, great pass rush, schematically strong offensively, good ground game, mobile quarterback, good quarterback, not great quarterback, but but a good one, solid coach. That's their model. Um, there is a lane where that can work and the 49ers are proof of that. I think it is a a, a narrow and tough lane to accomplish. Though um, just this one one kind of new thought about Kenny Pickett. Hey, I think obviously they were really high on Kenny Pickett. They're obviously their top quarterback cuz he was the first quarterback selected. Um, the question was basically something to the effect of why did they take quarterback? W- w- that's basically what the reader said at some point, Dave, correct?
0: I, I, I guess. What, what What are they trying to accomplish? And he says, uh, uh, what does he say here? Just frustrating. It's just frustrating because we all agree. Kenny Pickett is not even close to Mahomes, Allen Bur- Burrow, Herbert. What was the point in drafting him? Is this okay. another Neil O'Donnell yes. situation?
1: I don't think it's Neil O'Donnell. I would say it is hard to find the next Mahomes, Burrow. You know those; those are all higher picks, and you know there wasn't that talent didn't exist in the uh, draft class. Kenny Pickett was part of. One new thought I want to offer, though, is to me, right or wrong, regardless of what Kenny Pickett turns out to be, Kevin Colbert did not want to retire without giving the the new GM, who turned out to be Omar Khan, a quarterback. He wanted to leave the franchise with a quarterback. And I think he was intent on we're drafting a quarterback at pick 20. We're going to get a face of the franchise um, to, to start the new chapter of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think that's, that's partly why they won Kenny
0: Pickett. All right. And as part of it, we're only, you know, one season into this, but as of the 2022 draft class uh, of quarterbacks right now, who has been the best quarterback?
1: well, well, <laughs> Brock Purdy, some would argue. I mean, there's that discussion. Sure. But of of the like guys when, who were debating. When, when, the the, when the
0: smoke's clear, look, I've got a uh, Brock Purdy. You know, I got. I go back to old what Ben Roethlisberger used to say. Uh, let's see these guys in year two and year three. You know, sure. That uh, applies
1: to Pickett, though, obviously. right?
0: Sure, obviously it does. When the smoke clears, fifteen years from now. When we look back at the 2022 uh, quarterback draft class, who's most likely would have been the top one?
1: I wish I had that that confident crystal ball. But if you said Kenny Pickett, I wouldn't I wouldn't yell at you for right, it for sure. Right,
0: and, and that's where I'm going with this. So, you know, he but, won- but how
1: good is that? I mean, is that because if he becomes we'll, we'll, like we'll
0: see? You know,
1: yeah. I mean, he might be the best quarterback of the class, but if he becomes only ever the 12th best quarterback in the NFL. And it's like, what does it really mean?
0: Right. You know, I will, it will it have been, will it have been justified, you know?
1: Right. And we'll just, we'll just wait and see.
0: But, uh, yeah, and I'm with you. I think Colbert want to leave this team with, with a quarterback. I think they were surprised that Kenny Pickett fell that far. Uh, yeah, there was obviously a lot to like about Kenny Pickett, you know, uh, that, that kind of thing there. So, my 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 overarching thoughts about the 2023 season for the Steelers is it can be a building point to the Super Bowl window opening up in 2024.
1: Okay, yeah, I hope so. I, I think the question will just be, will they ever have the firepower to go toe-to-toe with one of those top quarterbacks? Because the AFC is, it's not even like it used to be where it was just Brady and Manning. Maybe on a year where you avoided one and beat the other in 05, you beat Manning, you avoid Brady. You get in that way, you got so many quarterbacks, you're going to face one of these prolific offenses at some point, whether that's the Bengals, the Bills, the Chiefs, Dolphins may emerge, the Jags are getting better, whoever else, Chargers, whatever. I mean, you're going to have to score points in a playoff game at some point. You can't win the playoffs, you know, with 20 points a game.
0: Look, if we're talking about a Cedar Super Bowl in 2023 or 2024, it's going to be we're going to be talking a lot about defensive play and takeaways and all like short fields and and, and those kind of things. And then on offense we're gonna be talking about uh uh red zone and not turning the football over.
1: Sure. But the concern is when was the last Super Bowl winner that you said that about their team and how they won? Sure. Like you didn't say that about a lot of these past winners. It was like their offense was great. Their quarterback was fantastic. I mean, there have been some. I mean, look,
0: look at even the year, you know, uh, uh, 2005 season, you know, Uh, but the
1: game has changed so much. I mean, I get that, but like, it's a different world.
0: Sure. But even they, you know, kind of snuck in and, 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 you know, ran, ran on a run. Right. It's not like they uh, were this force.
1: Sure. Yeah. They were, they they were in danger
0: defensively, obviously.
1: Right. They were in danger of not missing the or not making the playoffs at one point that you had to go on that run, as you said, beat Chicago, beat Detroit. So, yeah,
0: I know that to me. This is all I mean, I, I understand his frustration overall and, and 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 based on things that we've talked about and all like that. I am focused on one thing in 2023 when it comes to the Steelers, and that's the progress of Kenny Pickett.
1: Yep, that is the number one thing to look at, and, and, and if
0: they went and you know, obviously, like you know, I think it's, I think they've got enough there that they can sneak into the playoffs and, and, and obviously get a playoff win, and then who knows whatever happens after that. But, uh, right. looking for very noticeable jump in Kenny Pickett. So, a year from now, we're saying, well, can Kenny Pickett become a 30 touchdown a year guy?
1: Sure, I, I agree with you 100%. I think Pittsburgh's calculation is A, let's get back to the playoffs, win a playoff game. That's kind of been an issue. And if we buy that lottery ticket and consistently compete, we're going to get hot one year. We're going to, it's going to go our way one year and we're going to make a run. And if you just keep buying that lottery ticket, the odds say at some point it's going to work.
0: All right. So, uh, and I, I try to get too uh, too far out ahead on my skis, but other, other than just saying, Excited about seeing the jump Kenny Pickett can make. I think this team is built with the notion that 2024, if Kenny Pickett does make that jump, then we can legitimately maybe talk about a Super Bowl uh, window opening. I uh, Personally, I obviously would be shocked if this team won the Super Bowl in 2023. I think, Alex, you agree with that. I do think that maybe it, there's a situation here where this team can get in to the playoffs and win a playoff game. And that's yep. what I'm focused on right now.
1: I'm with you as well. All
0: right. Uh, got through that. Uh, all right. Time to wrap it up here. Uh, we'll be back on Friday. Who knows what rabbit holes will go down on, on Friday there. In the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Cedars Depot. Follow Alex uh, at Alex underscore Cazorra. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, Podcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, SteelersDepot.com. Hit the donate button up right navigational bar. Also, if you would like an ad-free version of the site, SteelersDepot.com. Hit the ad-free button up right navigational bar. Appreciate everybody, appreciate everybody listening uh, uh, on this Tuesday and and reading the site during this slow time of season. Uh, and we'll just end it with as always. Thanks for listening to the terrible podcast with Dave and Alex.